Hey, this is Rob and that's Micaiah and you are listening to You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, Beyonce's Homecoming, the 2019 live album. Micaiah, over the last two years, we have wrestled with whether or not we should put Lemonade or Beyonce. But every time we've had this conversation about the best Beyonce album, we have both really concluded overwhelmingly that nothing is as good as Homecoming is. Homecoming, of course, is the live concert film of her two weekends of performance in 2018 at Coachella and was released as a live album, live box set, uh, during the same period of time, during the same week, it was released as a live concert film. Micaiah, tell us a little bit about Beyonce and the homecoming performance before we get into why we have ultimately settled on this as our pick. Yeah, it's interesting for a multitude of reasons. Um, The first being uh, that she's the first black woman to headline Coachella in 2018, but also because it was supposed to happen in 2017, uh, but she gave birth to twins. And then, um, you know, and oddly a part of the, the, the documentary or the concert film is there's like a section of it dedicated to her losing the baby weight, which is like, which quickly becomes like an Ivy park commercial, like uh, athleisure brand, you know? And just like, that's a point where we're just kind of like, wait, why are you watching this? And just like, this is kind of like, is this healthy for like women to watch? Just be like, I would just watch Beyonce be like, I have to live up to this feminine ideal. It's like, this seems kind of counterintuitive, um, which is uh, one reason I think the album is stronger than the movie. Cause it doesn't have that weird Ivy park commercial in it. But yeah, so yeah, so she, so she has twins, and then you know she's finally able to do it in 2018, and I mean it changes Coachella. Mm-hmm. It's it's a much bigger thing for Coachella than it is Beyonce in in, in a couple ways because you know Coachella was not really a place where someone like Beyonce even would headline like a big pop star like that. Um, it you you would expect someone like Bjork maybe to be the headliner someone a little bit more offbeat um, instead of just like, like, like we wouldn't expect next year for Taylor Swift to headline Coachella, you know, like she's a little, maybe like a little too big and a little too mainstream. So it was, it was a really, really big deal. And it definitely changed Coachella because like now everyone who plays, they have to have, other artists come out with them. They have to have some sort of like, it just raised the stakes like, like Michael Jackson's Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, now, now the Pepsi or whatever halftime show has to be so much larger in life every year. It has to like, it has to top somebody it has to top something. It has to have multiple people, you know, it has to, you know, it's a, it's a huge thing now. And, and she's what Michael did for the halftime show. Beyonce has done for Coachella. And I think at this point in her career, like she has kind of reached that status, this kind of like untouchable, like not just great big pop star, but bona fide icon. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really set in stone 
with Homecoming. Um, because it's, 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 it's not just a Beyonce concert. It's the whole thing is an artistic statement. Uh, the Pitchfork review for it was really interesting because they said that, oh, it's Beyonce is the first black woman to headline Coachella, but she doesn't make herself the center of it, which is, you know, she uses that time to elevate young black musicians, singers, dancers, and puts them right up front, you know, alongside with her, which is a very interesting move. Yeah, so it, it just makes it this really unique performance. And and I don't know how other people do Coachella. I'm not an expert on it, but I feel like a lot of people who headline would be like, oh, well, whatever I do at my arena show, you know, I'll just translate to the Coachella stage. And she did a just a completely unique perform, like a just like, hey, this is a one and done, well, twice actually, you know, kind of performance, you know, just like a very special performance. And right when it starts, you just like, oh, this is something special. Like there's just something about it, you know, like that, you know, there aren't a lot of, especially in the 21st century, just like historic concerts. We've talked about a couple, the historic Ramones concert in England on New Year's, um, the historic Sex Pistols concert, the historic, uh, you know, talking heads will stop making sense. You know, like there, there are a few, you know, historic moments, but in the 21st century, there aren't a lot uh, unless it's like for maybe like a VMA performance, maybe, maybe a Grammy performance, but not a show, like a concert. And Beyonce, uh, toward the end of the 2010s there, turned out was something that has become just instantly iconic. You know, the, the costumes are recognizable. Um, the arrangements are exceptional. And it's, it's basically like a live DJ set with a choir, orchestra, and marching band of the greatest hits of Beyonce from Destiny's Child to Lemonade, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Is there anything that you want to add about Homecoming before we jump into it? No, I I like a lot of what you said. I I think for me, there is the danger of any live album just kind of functioning as a default greatest hits. And there are certainly, I mean, she, she does huge hits here. I mean, nearly every song that she does is a top 40 hit, wildly familiar. She is giving the fans what they want. But contextualizing her entire career's worth of music up till that point within kind of this performance of like an HBCU band some of the, I mean, even her doing lift every voice and sing, um, you know, there, there is this thing where it's, it's almost, it's almost like she is placing herself in the context of black American history, black American excellence that really does elevate all of these songs, which are all phenomenal songs. I mean, you could take the studio versions of all these songs and put them on uh, a two disc collection and you'd say, wow, this is a great greatest hits. 
but doing them in this context takes them from just being a, a greatest hits collection and into this interwoven narrative almost that pr- provides a context where her whole career makes sense on one stage and in one concert. And that's something that I, I find really interesting. And, and there are very few in history, there are very few live albums that have done that. And, um, you know, I, I really do believe, not only do I believe this is Beyonce's overwhelmingly best album and kind of crowning achievement to this point in her career, Renaissance included, I believe this is the best live album to come out so far this century. But I mean, when we talk about what makes a great live album, you know, so far we only have three on our list. Yeah. One's James Brown live at the Apollo. And part of what makes that great is that it's at the Apollo. It's at this historic place that means a lot to black culture. It's the right there, the, you know, just kind of the center of the civil rights movement in terms of, you know, the timing um, and the crowd is just going nuts. It's, it's Beatle, it's Beatlemania, which is happening concurrently, uh, but it's all for James Brown and it's all black culture, you know, and it's, you know, so much of what we think of 1963 is uh, Beatles at Sullivan show. It's just like, yeah, but if you went down to the Apollo theater, it's happening there too. You just kind of have to decenter, you know, white culture for a second. You can realize that there's a, something else very exciting happening and then at Folsom prison what makes that great right these this these gallows humorous songs played in front of people who are in prison and hearing them you know react to those songs and hearing the stuff about you know the warden or somebody or how bad the water is that elevates it and we talked about kicking television on here because we put it up against Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and you know the most we could say was Oh, it makes the songs from a ghost is born better because yeah. it has like Nels Klein playing on it instead of Jeff Tweedy doing all the solos, which is a compliment and is true, but right. It doesn't quite put it into that just like absolute iconic status. And one thing that m- keeps homecoming from being a greatest hits is the arrangements. Yeah. These songs do not sound like how they hear or, or how you hear them on their respective records, the singles or the LPs, they're, de- they're it's completely different, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of times when you go to see pop music, they're trying to make sure it sounds exactly like the record. If you watch uh, "This Is It," the Michael Jackson documentary of him trying to put on that tour, and they're like, "Michael, you know," because he's like, "Oh, there's something wrong with this, the keys, or something wrong with the keys." And they're like, "Well, how do you want it to sound?" He's like, "The record. I want it sounding like how it's on the record because that's how they hear it, and that's how I want them to hear it." And that's not what's happening here. These songs do not sound like how they do on the record because they have horns. They have uh, some of these songs. You just get the chorus. Like she doesn't sing irreplaceable from B day, a huge, huge single, but she uses that chorus as part of a step routine as an interlude to get into, I think it's diva. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you get this kind of like assemblage of songs you know uh, she'll play countdown but only for like a minute and a half it's like a three minute song you know so sometimes you just you just need the chorus you just need the bridge you know when she's when she does sorry 
you know, she dips out, does something with, you know, the, like the, the black fraternity, like a, like a little skit gets back into the song dips into me, myself and I from dangerously in love and gets back into sorry. I mean, it's a whole six minute journey, just that song, you know? So like, it's not the record, you know, it's something so alive, which is what makes a live record great. It's not just like, Oh wow. It sounded um, just like the record, but a little less polished. Great. He's like, that's, that's not a great live album. It, It has to feel alive. And I mean, nothing feels more alive in terms of live albums of the 21st century than this one. I mean, I think, I think it is instantly up there with live at the Apollo. I think it's right up there with, um, at falls in prison and, and any other of like the historic live albums of the last 60 years. I, I mean, I think it, I think it stands beside them easily. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, only the third live album to make our list. I think it's the best of the century. I am with you wholeheartedly. I think it is, it is not just a great collection of her music, but it is exciting and in, in fully alive and fully immersive in a way that none of Beyonce's best studio albums are. Mm-hmm. As great as as great as some of her studio albums are, and we'll we'll talk about that later. But listener, we want to take a quick break. We want to let you hear from our sponsors, Mirror Coffee Roasters and Spotify for Podcasters. And you're also going to hear a little bit of a teaser for a new podcast I have coming out in the coming weeks that we want you to keep your eyes out for. We'll be back in just a few minutes to talk Beyonce's homecoming. I want to take a second and tell you a little bit about Mirror Coffee Roasters. Mirror Coffee Roasters are pursuing excellence from coffee, farm to cup. The goal at Mirror Coffee Roasters has always been to use coffee as a tool for change. Whether that's a bag of coffee on your kitchen counter, or creating a sustainable, human-focused sourcing practice that goes far beyond generic marketing labels. No matter how you enjoy your coffee, Mirror Coffee Roasters is here to help you on your journey and elevate your coffee experience. I want to encourage you to go to their website, mirrorcoffeeroasters.com today, and check out their coffee box a four-bag sampler box of some of their best coffees from Colombia, Guatemala, and Ethiopia. Check out Mirror Coffee Roasters today. The American humorist Mark Twain wrote, I'm quite sure now that often, very often, in matters concerning religion and politics, a man's reasoning powers are not above the monkeys. I love this quote. Twain, ever mistrustful of organized religion and political parties, found fault in what he saw as suspension of reason. But what if the problem is much bigger than that? What if the problem is a suspension of empathy. 
I'm Rob Stone. Welcome to Generous Orthodoxy, my podcast about the messy human intersection of culture, history, religion, and politics. Listen and subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Beyonce Homecoming 2018. Micaiah, we are doing a Beyonce Live album, but you have had the experience of seeing Beyonce in concert twice. Once, just very recently, I have never seen her in concert other than watching this concert film. You have seen her live twice. And so maybe let me just start here. Let me ask, what was your introduction to Beyonce? What does Beyonce mean to you? And then... Let me get you to answer this question because I can't. What is it like seeing Beyonce live? Rob, I'm glad you asked. Of course, my first exposure to Beyonce was Destiny's Child, TRL, you know, um, the Charlie's Angels soundtrack, you know, Bootylicious, all that stuff. You know, I mean, so, but, you know, even, even in Destiny's Child, like Beyonce was already like a household name like you you knew who beyonce was i guess because she's blessed with a name like beyonce and not michelle or kelly no offense to them i think they're great and together those three-part harmonies are some of the best in pop music ever but beyonce is a name that pops and she's beautiful so are the other two but she just has that that wow factor that it factor that star factor whatever that is where people just see her and just be like give me more of that you know, she has it in spades, you know, so that, you know, as a kid, because I mean, she's been doing this now for 25, she's been world famous for 25 years now. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. And, um, pop stars just have a longevity now, you know, they, they watched Whitney and they watched Madonna where she went wrong and they watched Janet and they watched Michael and they watched Prince and they want, they we've had, we have all these careers now where they can be like, okay, they dipped here. They did this. They, they zigged and they should have zagged and they did all this kind of stuff. And so now you have people like Beyonce who can have like an immaculate career for 25 years. You know, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, and so what, what she has meant to me personally, um, 
of course, you know, loving all the Destiny's Child stuff as a kid. And then she went solo around the same time as Justin Timberlake. And so it was just like, oh, this is kind of a neat time for pop music. It looks like we're kind of into a new phase here in the early 2000s. And then, you know, by the time I get into high school, like, I just don't care about whatever's in the top 40 at all. Like, it became like, if I hear, if I were a boy one more time, you know, like, I'm I'm going to go nuts. Like, just, I, it's one of those things where, like, I'm not even seeking out top 40 music, and yet I hear it all the time. That's how popular it is, and it drives me nuts as, like, an alternative indie rock, punk rock, emo kid, whatever. You know, so... um and then, you know, but then, you know, things break through like four comes out and you're like, love on top. This is the best pop song of the, of the decade. You know, this is incredible, you know, so, you know, always the good stuff, always still kind of getting through and just being exciting. And, uh, but then I met my, my wife in 2015 and Beyonce is her a one artist, music artist. Like that's her favorite person and so in 2016 for uh, lemonade comes out and so i'm listening to lemonade all the time with her and i i'm like this i actually love and i listen to self-title a lot too because my my roommate in, in grad school was also a huge beyonce fan and he always had the self-title album on in the car so i heard self-title a lot then with him and then lemonade a lot with uh, my wife but lemonade was the first time i was listening to beyonce on my own I was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to put Lemonade on, which I had not really done before. You know, you know, so that was a pretty big turning point for me was, was Lemonade. And I credit that to my wife, Molly. Um, and then we saw her on the Formation World Tour um, in, in Tampa, which is where they also did the rehearsals. And it was just, uh, it was amazing. I mean, truly uh, just a fantastic time you know you we weren't very close but in my memory we were right there that's just how enormous her presence is even when you're far away um and it was a great time and you know and she was my girlfriend then she bought me the ticket so i went for free which is even better um but since then you know she's now on a pretty historic tour uh this renaissance world tour and I've been wanting for a long time to do something nice for my wife. So I got us club Renaissance tickets for Beyonce, uh, which is like third tier VIP. So like first tier VIP, you're on the side of the stage in these like really small bleachers. And then there's like the floor seats, like next to the main stage, but then club Renaissance, she has this catwalk and there's a circle at the end of it. And there's a greater circle that goes around it. And in that area, they call club Renaissance. And there was like a bar in there and Beyonce went out that way a lot. And her dancers went out. So we, we got close to Beyonce. We were very close to Beyonce uh, during the Renaissance show. And it was nuts. I mean, now this, I've never done anything like, I don't like stadium shows. I don't like arena shows. I've been, I can kind of one hand how many of them I've been to because they don't feel like shows to me because I'm used to going to the social in Orlando or House of Blues, like being the biggest venue really. So stadium shows, I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't feel intimate. You don't feel close. It doesn't feel like a show, you know, you just, you know, but man, in Club Renaissance, uh, just being that close to the dancers and being that close to Beyonce and this tour is 
something else. I mean, like, you know, Homecoming, I, I still think is her best show, you know, but and there's only two versions of it, just one weekend and another weekend. But this tour is next level for her. And I hope there's a concert film for this because I, I hope it's being documented for other people to see because it's, is something special. Um, but it was interesting is when we were in line uh, for early admission, someone in front of us was at homecoming and has seen Beyonce like five or six times and was telling us about what it was like to be at homecoming, just how incredible, I mean, just everything you expect someone to say. It was incredible. It was amazing. Like we waited all, you know, we waited all day. She didn't support, you know, like all the stuff you expect. And um, the person behind us, this was his fifth or sixth time seeing Beyonce. And we were all talking about homecoming and how great it is. And the consensus among the three of us there uh, was, and this started by the person who was, Direct just just behind us, you know. Whenever I want to listen to Beyonce, I just put I put on Homecoming. That that's my go to. That's what I put on. And I think that's becoming that. My wife does that too. If she's getting ready and she wants to listen to Beyonce, she'll put on Homecoming. You know, and not a lot of live albums function that way. Beyonce has another live album. Do you know the name of it? No, you don't. No, neither do I. Who cares? Coachella, you ready? Let's go get them. So deep in your eyes, I touch on you more and more every time. When you leave, I'm begging you not to go. Call your name two, three times in a row. Such a funny thing for me to try to explain. How I'm feeling and my pride is the one to blame. Yeah, I still don't understand. Just how you look at doing no one else can. It's the thing, you know, obviously Taylor Swift is doing this huge like stadium tour right now. And, you know, all all the Swifties are going crazy in, in, and again, look, Taylor Swift knows how to do a concert. Like Taylor Swift and Beyonce both have this thing in common, which is like, they know how to be huge pop stars. They're great at it. Yeah. Perhaps the best to ever do it. In, in what they both have in common is they've both been pop stars since they were 15 years old. Like, yeah. And, and so like they, they have no kind of other experience as adults than being huge pop stars. And so, they are they are built for that fame in ways that most people are not and and so they both have that going for them but even all of the videos i see posted of 
like the Taylor Swift stadium concert tour right now, the, the Eras tour, like it just doesn't like the, the music's great. I'm sure she performs it well, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like it's being elevated beyond what the music is on its own. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's happening on homecoming. And it's funny you were talking about Molly not listening to, you know, anything other than homecoming since I got homecoming on vinyl, other than for us doing this episode, I have not listened to a single studio album by Beyonce other than Renaissance, which isn't on homecoming. None of that material is on homecoming. Right. But other than that album, I haven't listened to any other studio album by her since I got this on vinyl. I mean, I listened to it when we were getting, I mean, we went to go see Beyonce. So for a week we were listening to, you know, getting ready in the morning, putting on four, putting on lemonade, putting on Renaissance and, you know, but when we, when we drove to Louisville to go that we were listening to homecoming on the way there. And I was just like, this shit's perfect. 10 out of 10. Perfect. Cause yeah. every Beyonce studio album has like a two to three song run where it just dips a little. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, in Renaissance, it's somewhere around um, thick and all up in your mind, where it's like, and we, we hit, we've hit a little dip, hit a little dip. Uh, in Lemonade, it's right in the middle with like six inch mm-hmm. daddy lessons. Yeah. But Homecoming is just, it's constant. And that, that energy is like, we talked about like the, that first five songs just being like, oh my God. But every side of the LP is like that. It's just, constant just like oh oh my god like even when like she'll be singing one song but the horns are doing another song of hers you're just like Mm -hmm. i'm getting everything i could have ever asked for but you're also getting deep cuts yeah so like the top 40 hits are there but so are like the like deep cuts where you're just like you have the coachella stage to yourself and you said, oh, I know what to do here. I've been on. But it's to capture the effect of the Houston hip-hop scene, where she's from. You know, so it's so important to her to represent where she's from as the first black woman, right? And to represent the hip-hop scene there, even though she's not hip-hop herself. We know now that she can rap because she's done it so many times. You know, so it, it's so essential for her and her experience as a black woman in America and how she understands the black experience in America to have that on this live album. I mean, she does the same thing with using new Orleans music, you know, mm-hmm. using the big jazz bands or the big brass bands rather. And also um, having the voiceover from big Frida. And I've shown uh, clips of big Frida in my, my, my humanities class to talk about different um, Southern music traditions, like new Orleans bounce music. You know, so, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's it's just incredible that she's not just highlighting her career, but highlighting the, just like the sounds of the South and, and Black American, you know, musical history in a way that, like you said, it's not contrived at all. It's all through her experience of having lived through it. She's not doing, it's not it's never pretentious because she's never, she's, it's all music that she has experienced, understood and performed before, you know, she's not, 
doing anything that is out of her comfort zone really but it's, it's it's nowhere outside of her understanding or outside of her worldview this is a world that she lives in this is a world that she understands and even though it's never been put together for one piece of work before in her career you know it's coming out here in a way that like we said at the top of the show is just so alive and so exciting Okay, I want to ask us to do something. There are, let's, if we take away the two bonus tracks, but we include all of the interludes because for all the interludes that we get in the album, there's even more than that that are on in the concert film. So taking away the two bonus tracks, there are 38 tracks from this concert that are on this album. Normally, when we do an album, we do top fives. Considering that we've got 38 to choose from, could we do something we've never done before on You Forgot One and each do a top 10 from Homecoming? I think we can do that. And I think there will be a lot of overlap. So we can kind of do them concurrently, I think. Okay. So starting from... Starting from the start of the album, I'm going to start off with Crazy in Love. And I'm right there with you. Yeah. And I mean, a, a perfect way to start. Um, it's the perfect song to start this. Uh, obviously, in the intro, um, the this HBCU band is playing. But then the turn to them doing Crazy in Love... Beyonce is kind of revealed. They go into this song and then that halftime break where they end the song 
just so with so much swag, just that like mm-hmm. slow. And if you've never been, I mean, do yourself a favor, listener. If you've never seen an HBCU band play, it's going to be fall soon. Find whatever the closest historical black college or university is to you. Pay the ticket to go see a football game on a Saturday. You're not going to watch the football. You're going to watch the halftime show and it's going to blow your mind. And you're going to see something that sounds a lot like this very first track that we get crazy in love. Yeah. And here, here's what I love about this. Here, here's how I knew this was going to be an exceptional live performance. Uh, Cause I watched it before, you know, the, the record came out uh, because it, you know, the record didn't come out physically to like 2020 uh, just because shit just takes a long time. Um, the vinyl we're talking yeah. about. So you, yeah, could, yeah. you could stream the album the day the concert film, mm-hmm. but you, you there weren't physical copies of it for almost yeah. another year. So I, I, I knew this was going to be great because Crazy in Love is not a song I ever need to hear again. I've heard it so much for like more than half of my life now. You know, like I, I've heard it so much, but I've never heard it like it is in this live recording. And when that band like gets into that melody, it is so exciting. And I am all in, all in on a song I am tired of hearing. I don't have another instance of that happening for me where a song that I'm sick and tired of has been completely revived, you know? So like that, that to me is a mark of a great start to a live album. So that's why crazy in love is also for me in the top 10. My second song lift every voice and sing this performance of lift every voice and sing at Coachella with 120,000 people in the crowd. This to me feels more like church than many, many church services I've spent Sundays, Sunday mornings in there. There is something deeply spiritual about this performance. Um, and I, and I love that, that we get also that side, that picture of, again, as we've talked about this kind of history, this legacy that, uh, Beyonce is kind of contextualizing herself in in this performance. We've already talked a little bit about hip hop being so important, but of course the gospel tradition, right? As so much of black music is right there, it comes from especially um, black singers. You know, in America, they grew up in churches. Ray Charles, Aretha, Beyonce, like you, Little Richard. You go through all of them, right? It's it's the church. Um, and that's why this is is totally essential. I mean, this is one that everyone was kind of talking about after this is the one where it's just like, okay, she just right at the top of her set, almost like four songs in or three songs in technically, um, HBC, like marching band, her, her first big solo hit lift every voice and sing. It's just like, everyone was just like, wait, like, those three songs are just like, wait, what on earth is happening? Uh, Maya Rudolph talks about, I, I saw an interview with her where she was there and she was like, I just cried. 
because it was so beautiful and so black and so amazing. It was overwhelming, you know, and, and you get the sense track what's technically track four. You're just like, this is overwhelming. And so that's why uh, let their voice. That's also that'd be number two for me as well. I did not come to play with you hoes. I came to slay, bitch. I hate us corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole maker, Texas mama. What would be your number three? Number three would be for it would be formation. Uh because this could be my it's it's definitely top five favorite Beyonce song. And, you know, and I love that, you know, you have like the voiceover. I think, I think it's Big Frida who's doing the voiceovers, you know, so you have that, you know, the New Orleans bounce music and to, just to call out to the Illumina, the song formation already is just amazing. And this live version here is Beyonce is so loose and having so much fun and she's growling, she's shouting and she's, you know, just, you know, you, lo- you love when Beyonce's having a great time because they're just points like around this time in her career where she has to be like very serious uh beehive people have been talking about like we have seen sasha fierce for so long now (laughs) on this renaissance world tour we feel like we're seeing beyonce again like she's having a lot of fun for the first time in a long time it's been really serious lately um and formation was like in lemonade we're like a very like hey i'm a serious artist taking me seriously and that song is that way, and the video is that way. Um, but in this live performance, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's all that's there. But it's also more loose, more fun, and you, you, you love getting to have both sides of of Beyonce. And so, yeah, formation. I, I, I can't, I can't give that one up. So that's yeah. that's number three for me. It, 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 it was about to be my number three as well, but it, at the risk of you and I not having the same 10 that we talk about, I'm going to skip over it. And my number three is going to be sorry. Um, because again, I love this live performance. I love that you get, again, this song that's a big hit. You get kind of her breaking into this skit almost in the middle of it. And then you get, you know, then she's going into another song and then coming back to, so I mean, you are getting so much of uh, you're, you're getting just so much fun, so much live energy in this song that it's, it's hard not to love listening to. And especially once you've watched this concert film, uh, then listening to it, you can, you can visualize all of it in your head as you hear it, which makes it that much better. Uh, I know that you skipped this. So, or skip formation. So that we wouldn't have the same one, but I'm going to claim number four for me as sorry. Uh, this is the, like, by far the longest track. Mm-hmm. Um, 
clocking in at over six minutes uh, because like you said it's it's the song pretty straightforward um but then it's also the skit and there's a lot of you know the the suck on my balls like step mm-hmm. moment also there are kind of like two sketches actually like you know the, the bugaboos like you know making me laugh and then the step routine and then just the way that the band gets in and out of like out of sorry into me myself and i and then like back into sorry like that is not easy no and beyonce as an arranger and she also has like a like a co-director of it also like for them in the band i'm sure in the band probably has a band director for them to have just conceptualized all that is truly fascinating it's one thing to do with a dj who's just like and we're into the next song to pull that off as a, as a huge band is very, very hard.
So my number four then, since I skipped over formation, my number four is going to be I've been on, um, in which you've already talked about at length, which, which again, a deep cut, but a deep cut that reveals, uh, you know, so, so much about her roots from Houston and the culture of music there. And again, the way that a live band pulls this off, pulls off what, what essentially is an effect that was done on turntables by, uh, you know, turning down the rotations on, on a turntable to essentially slow the music and the way in which they're pulling that off with a live band. That to me is just so impressive. Um, so my number four is I've been on. Well, you mean, I talked about it at length earlier. So you, you might guess that it's actually my number five. Also a fun thing about having the records that you can go from 33 and a third RPM to 45 and you can get it kind of to how Beyonce's voice sound like actually sounds. Um, I, I was, I was doing that with the, I've been on bonus track at the end. Cause it's like a studio version. So that's actually the last thing I listened to before I came to this recording. Um, I'm already at five and we're already pretty similar. So I, this is going to be pretty interesting. Okay. So from, for my five, then I'm going to do drunken love again. This is, and again, I, I love, I love the combination here, the back to back play of I've been on, which is, which is a deep cut for her into of course, monster hit. And then the way in which again, this, this band Beyonce, her, you know, the, the singers that are singing along with her. And one of the things we don't talk about enough is that Beyonce has such a strong voice. And, and this was true for her singing with the, um, singing with Destiny's Child as well. Like she, she just has such a strong voice, but there really are so many other people singing with her in the performance of these songs that she ends up sounding more like the lead vocalist in a choir rather mm-hmm. than just a solo performer and the way that that is pulled off in the choruses of drunken love is is especially uh is is just especially beautiful to me yeah uh, that that's okay so we're breaking here we're breaking so what's your number six my number six is going to be Seven Eleven. really okay 7-Eleven for me. Now, this is a uh, when like the platinum edition of self-title came out. This was like an extra track. It's one of my favorite Beyonce music videos because it is, you know, self-titled is very serious. You know, the first track is pretty hurts and, you know, but it's, it's very sexy, but it's very cool. Very like, you know, it, you know, not the partition is like the serious song, but it's, it is a new presentation of Beyonce. That's just like serious artist alert take this artist seriously um and 7-eleven is just like a music video that she i guess seemingly recorded herself like in hotel rooms so i've always loved that music video love that song and the live version goes hard it 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 also just goes goes oh so hard um so yeah for me 7-eleven that's that's a top five beyonce song either the live version or studio version i'll i'll take either so 7-Eleven, I'm at number six. Okay. My number six is going to be Party. Nice. 
uh, a song that I love again, and you know, our, our love for outcast is well documented on this podcast. Uh, I love the studio version of, of this track with Andre 3000 uh, verse. But again, I, I love the way that this is pulled off live and it's just fun. Um, there are a few songs that she does. I mean, there's a number of songs that she does where she's clearly having fun, but to the point you were talking about, about, you know, she's been Sasha fierce for so long. Like there is so much of this performance where she is seemingly performing with a chip on her shoulder, but performing with an attitude, like she's constantly got something to prove, but there are moments where it drops and, sh- and you can tell she's really having fun with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in, in one of those moments I really see, especially coming out of the bugaboo roll call into party. Um, I, I think again, that transition works so well. Yeah, well, then mine's going to be close to it. It's going to be Don't Hurt Yourself, um, which is my wife loves this song. This is one of her favorite gym tracks. Just go to the gym, put on Don't Hurt Yourself, and just really ready to to set the world on fire. I mean, just like just burn it down. I mean, it just really taps into something for her that is scary. Um, but, you know, when it, when it breaks into the Malcolm X, Mm-hmm. section you know i i can't help but love you know the most disrespected woman in america 
is the black woman, you know, which is, is also interesting because that's an interesting moment to have Malcolm there because she's, she's from the South. She's, she's already rooted herself in the gospel tradition, which is MLK when it comes to civil rights, right? MLK South, right? MLK church. Um, and he was criticized. So when Malcolm X is saying that the most disrespected woman is, is the black woman, he's actually taking the time to criticize Martin Luther King for allowing black women to go into marches, knowing that they will be beaten by white men and the police. So that statement is actually, if you, the full speech is actually a critique of MLK and the black Southern church way of approaching civil rights. And so it's, it becomes do the right thing is this, the picture of, of love, hate the picture uh, of Malcolm and, and Martin together at the end of the movie with both quotes happening at the end of the movie. It's, 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 it's actually that kind of a statement intentional or not. It, it is there. It does exist, but also for B, you know, she's, she's from Houston. She's from the South, but she's married Jay-Z who was born like, in the place where Malcolm X was killed, you know, so it is a marriage of those places, you know, so there's, there's something about her relationship and her family and her new family and the civil rights movement. It's all kind of happening there and it's on don't hurt yourself. Right. Which is the, you know, if you act this way again, you're going to lose your wife. So there, there's a Jay Z thing there. Uh, there's just a lot happening. You know, there's there's a line about Malcolm X in the song, but using the drop there, um, in the live version, it makes it way more uh, intense and, and and says a lot about a number of things. And there, there's so many layers to it that, to me, are uh, just endlessly interesting. So for me, uh, "Don't Hurt Yourself," which is not even in my top five off on Lemonade, makes my top ten um, for Homecoming. Interesting. Yeah. So in number seven for you is Don't Hurt Yourself. My number seven is actually Mizienta with uh, Jay Balvin. And and it's interesting, you know, for your your number seven is, is you know, tying in the Malcolm X quote and kind of, again, rooting it in this space of kind of black culture and the historic experience there. I love the idea of Houston again. So we've we've got you know, we, we've, we've already got this song, uh, I've been on kind of, you know, nodding at Houston rap culture, but I also love the idea of going like, Oh, this, this is also a black woman from Texas. And the idea that she is, she is from a place that, um, she's from a place in the South where black and Brown culture, black and Latino culture is, is so um, intertwined. It's in some moments um, at odds and other moments. Um, but, but I love just this idea of, of taking the, um, the, the, the Latin culture from where she is from and that finding its way into her music as well. Um, and so I, I love that picture, even, even though kind of contextually it's the one song that doesn't really fit because it's the, it's the song that kind of is not the kind of black culture song. 
in in the concert but i i like the way that that happens well it's also great because you know that gets into baby boy Mm -hmm. which is an older hit for her which has sean paul on it so it's her being like well you know this has actually always been kind of part of you know so like i think it's it's great uh i think that's a great pick um, I'm already at number eight, and I'm only because I'm, I'm going back to track 19, um, a ballad that's originally on the album four mm-hmm. um, is "I Care," yeah, which is um, a song that I've always kind of slept on until the live version. Mm. So the, the opposite of "Crazy and Lover," I'm like, please, I I don't need to hear the song again, um, and then it totally revives it. This is one I'm like, oh, I should when I go back and listen to four, I need to pay extra attention to that one it just it just it, it, it gave it new life it, it was one that was just like oh i I've, I've been neglecting this um when i go back to listen to my best of beyonce like playlist or something so for me i care which i believe she's saying when i saw her on the renaissance world tour and it was amazing going to be deja vu we finally we we finally get jay performing live and and again i i think it's easy to forget what a big deal this is now obviously this is a concert that's happening um april of 2018 right so it's april of 2018 so the carters the album hasn't come out yet but we have gotten both lemonade and 444 in in the two previous years and so i i think there really is and again like knowing how much of lemonade she has done on the album to this point like there is something i think that's just really cool about jay coming out and doing a song with her and like i i i just love that picture where for as much as is the content of these two albums, Lemonade and 444, have kind of become public fodder over the preceding 36 months. Mm-hmm. The fact then that, hey, there's this is still husband and wife. They're still out here doing a show together. Right. Um, there, there's just something that I, I really love about that. And it's... It, it, it's a really well-performed song again, huge energy, so much fun. And then the transition into the buzz drum line, that interlude. So great. And just like really like letting the bass riff mm-hmm. 
in the intro, like really letting that like cook for a while. I thought it was a really great choice. Um, but that being said, my number nine. Now, if Formation's not my favorite Beyonce song, this one is, and it's Countdown. Hmm. Um, from four again, uh, again, it's a fun Beyonce song. You know, it's kind of the best of like the fun Beyonce songs and formation is kind of the best of like the I'm serious Beyonce. Um, so, I mean, I, I love, I love the video to countdown. She's so funny in that she's pregnant in that video, but she's so cute and having so much fun. There's a lot of great, like behind the scenes stuff of that too. Love countdown. And I love that it goes into a uh, check on it. But then when that ends, they get back into countdown and then count it down, and that actually ends that side of the record, like the five, four, it's like, ah, oh, man, you guys even thought about how to make this not just a great, like, documentary, but actually when it when it goes on to four LPs, right, how to actually make this work as, an, as a box set on vinyl. Yeah. You know, which, because sometimes stuff like this, just like, it's better just to stream it. This actually works really well listening to the record. Um, and this is kind of one of those great moments to one of those transition from like one side of the record to the other is actually uh countdown, check on it. And then like that return to countdown. Yeah. Countdown, perfect pop song. Um, the band here is nuts. Nothing smart to say about it. I just love it so much. You've only got one left. I have two left. So my number nine, um, how could it not be? It's such, it, it's just performed so well. Okay. Run the world girls. Mm. Um, again, huge number. The, the way that it's performed, the way that all these other female vocalists are participating in this song, um, I mean, the, the drum break in it. And then also knowing that this is, this is setting up the destiny child section. Mm -hmm. That's the, like, that's the thing where you're like run the world girls into the three destiny's child songs. That's, that's perfect. And run the world. I think that's where also she mentions, Hey, I'm the first black woman to mm-hmm. headline Coachella, you know, and then say like, this is for all of, you know, the amazing women who came before me. And then, you know, so it's just like, Oh, okay. So this is, you know, you know, what song's coming up at that point. Uh, so there, there are a lot of great like live moments that kind of happen there too with, with her talking, you know, right before getting that song. This isn't 10, but I, I just want to say that the Destiny's Child Suite, like those three songs, are my special mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, my final one is Get Me Bodied from B-Day. <laughs> uh, maybe the most underappreciated uh, Beyonce record, even though it has songs like Ring the Alarm on there, which is a Beehive classic. Um, yeah, Get Me Bodied is great. And Solange comes out. Um, at this point in the show. So it's not just Jay and we've had, uh, I think, uh, no blue, we get blue Ivy on the, like the lift every voice thing, like uh, a couple songs after, but for me, give me body, which is one of my wife's favorites. And that, that's a, that's an old school. It's not a deep cut, but it's certainly not like single ladies or halo. It's not like that 
big of a hit, but it, it's well, especially among like the Beehive, it's it's beloved, and the live version is super fun and it's great having you know Solange out there. Everybody, put your hands together. Yeah, so my my number ten was gonna be get me bodied, oh, um, nice. but since you've done it, um, I I would hate to to not have any of the Destiny's Child stuff on here. Um, I'm going to do lose my breath. Uh, if if for no other reason, when you listen to this, it, it's a live album, and so what is true in every live album you listen to is you hear a ton of crowd noise at the beginning of a song when the crowd recognizes what song she's doing. Like you get the big, and then at the end of the song, you get the big. When Kelly Rowland, Michelle Williams and Beyonce come out together at the start of lose my breath, the audience noise reaches a decibel that it has not reached yet the entire concert. And it's one of those things when you watch the concert film, you can really see the crowd reaction. But even when you're just listening to the live album, you hear how much it means to the audience to see the three of them together. So it it could easily be any of the three songs from that kind of Destiny's Child suite, but I'm going to choose Lose My Breath just because you get that jump in crowd noise when they recognize what's happening. Yeah, it's it's hard to separate the three songs. And then that might be why I didn't choose either one of them as one of my picks. I guess that's why I just kind of made the three together as the special mention, because it's hard to separate them because like, they flow so perfectly and it's just such a unique section to the to the whole performance but yeah i love it but speaking of crowd noises i realized this listening to the lp that i'll lift every voice and sing i think there's a moment where she's kind of beyonce just kind of like belting and there's like a quick moment of silence and you can hear someone in the crowd go fuck it up beyonce (laughs) and it made me laugh so hard at home (laughs) 
because I had never heard it before. And it's like so perfectly silent, just long enough for him to just like get that out there so like clearly heard. It was, I loved it. I want to ask this question for you and I both homecoming overwhelmingly is our favorite Beyonce album, but real quick, give us a top five, your, your top five Beyonce albums. And I will give mine going five to one, um, five. I'm going to say today. I'm going to say self-titled. Um, but I love self-titled like XO, I think is so incredible things like partition, um, superpower with Frank Ocean. I love, um, and it's, it's an interesting album cause it's, um, it's kind of changed the way big pop stars release records, like with a surprise release. Um, but <laughs> the other part that people have forgotten is it was surprise release, but the surprise release was you can now get it at Walmart exclusively. Um, which if you want like the CD, like a weird tie in, uh, which will like not happen again. Um, but yeah, so titles is, is an interesting album. Cause it's the, it is like, I don't know if it's because maybe her team thought Beyonce wasn't being taken seriously as an artist. She was still being seen as a, just like a great big pop star. And maybe still just as, you know, the post-Destiny's Child Beyonce, you know, but something happens in self-titled where now she's a mother and a wife. And it's interesting that this is the self-titled album from her because it is a rebranding of Beyonce as a serious artist, not just as a pop star, but as an artist. Uh, and that really starts here. And I, I think that's an interesting career turn for her. And it's been the most important career turn that she's had in maybe the last 25 years. Um, that being said, number four for me is four. Um, my favorite, you know, countdown is on there. Love on top is on there. Um, I care 
party, which you mentioned, you know, the so much fun stuff on there. It has that thing though, where it's like, could lose a couple songs, could lose a couple, you know, to like make it like really like immaculate. But I mean, this is where Ford comes out. This is where she gets to do the Super Bowl. Um, this is the time where she performs at the Grammys and reveal she's pregnant. You know, it's a really great time. You know, and a lot of people in the Beehive kind of look to Four as kind of maybe thinking it's the definitive Beyonce album for a lot of them. Uh, three uh, for me is going to be Renaissance. Now, I I said this earlier. I think Renaissance is technically her strongest studio album. Um, because I think it's just the most consistently good for 16 tracks. Um, and I think it's just so impressive. And, and the tour itself is just amazing. But, you know, with Beyonce being this new rebranding of herself, the mother, the woman, the pop star, you know, and then Lemonade looks at, um, you know, maybe the, not just the, the individual but the black family and that family being challenged and that, that marriage being tested and what that means for her family, their voiceovers of her grandmother. No. So, so much about the black family in a way, there's a song called daddy lessons, right? About her father. And then for me, what's interesting about homecoming is that now it's not just the black family. It's the black community. Yeah. Number one for me. Um, we have a very similar five. In fact, um, if you swapped two of your picks, we would have an identical five. I, I do want to say this. So number five for me, um, just like you is self-titled, but this is where I want to throw this caveat in. We're talking uh, just about Beyonce solo albums. If we were talking about all of her work, I would slide the Carters in here. Uh, the album she does with Jay-Z Again, I think there's some really unique and great things that happen on that album. There are some ways that she shines. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I think I think her ability as a rapper, you know, show, shows up on on that album. Um, yeah, I, I think there are just some really cool things that happen on on that album. Um, but just looking at her work alone, my number five is her self-titled album. My number four is Renaissance. Um, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in a lot of the things you said. I, I think I have a hard time framing Renaissance right now because it came out from the get-go with us knowing there's going to be more to it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little reluctant pushing it higher because I, I wonder what the second piece of that puzzle is going to be. So there is a part of me that was wondering, like, is it going to be a concert film? Is it going to be a live album? Is it going to be a new album of brand new material? Like, what is what what is the next piece of that puzzle look like? Um, number three for me is four. Um, and that's probably the album where I came on as as a Beyonce fan. And again, it's just a it's just a fun record. It It's. It's really good pop music. It's it's some good deep cuts that um, start to reveal, I think, the the breadth of her ability and and what she's interested in going forward. Um, I think it's a crucial. Uh, I think it's a crucial album for her transitionally in her career. Um, 
but I'm with you. My, my favorite studio album is lemonade. I, th- I think it has the most uh, intimate things to say because it, because it is so closely tied into her family. And I, and again, you know, it's, it's appropriate that we're doing Beyonce when our last episode was on Jay-Z because I, I think so many of the things we said last week about 444 come into play when we think about Lemonade. And I, and I love those two as kind of companion pieces to one another. And then the Carters, um, that's a really fun listening experience is listening to Lemonade 444 and then the Carters um, one after another. That's That's a real interesting listening experience. And again, so much what we said about Jay-Z last week, which is, it's so personal. Like there's so much that uh, there's so much that a big pop artist can sing about and write about that is very quickly like out of your wheelhouse to connect with. Um, But the, the intimate, the personal, the relational is there's handles for everyone in that. And so, um, and then of course, one of my favorite things about lemonade is the SNL skit that came out shortly after the uh, formation video released. And it was the uh, great SNL skit where um, it's people realizing white, white people realizing that Beyonce is black. For white people, it was just another great week. They never saw it coming. They had no warning. Then, the day before the Super Bowl, it happened. Beyonce released a new music video that embraces her black heritage. This Beyonce video is unapologetically black. Tribute to the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay, for a black message. Her black, black. like never before. Honey, get in here. Video, yes. What is it? What's wrong? Black, black. I don't know where. I think Beyonce is black. The day Beyonce turned black. I don't understand this new song. Hot sauce in my bag swag? What does that mean? Maybe the song isn't for us. But usually everything is! Never gets old. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, so Lemonade, of course, is my number two. But as great as Lemonade is, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing comes close to Homecoming. Um, it, it, it is an elevation beyond it is, it, it is more than the sum of its parts and arguably the sum of its parts are a greatest hits collection of one of the biggest pop artists of the last 20 years. And yet still somehow this live album goes so far above and beyond anything that that could be. Um, yeah, I, I just, it, 10 out of 10. It is, it is a perfect live album, best live album uh, of the 21st century thus far. And one of, I think legitimately one of the five or 10 best live albums ever made. Yeah, I agree. And maybe it's soon to say that it's been like five years now um, since the performance happened in 2018. Yeah. Like I, I feel like it's safe to say, like I do, I just, uh, and, and now having seen like the next thing, having seen the Renaissance world tour and knowing that that's incredible, but also knowing like, 
but it's not homecoming. Like it's not, yeah. not, not that like everything she needs to do needs to top homecoming or match it, but homecoming still remains just a special performance and a special recording and a special, you know, documentary or concert film or whatever. Like there's just something incredibly unique and compelling about everything about it from the costumes, the set design, the film, the record. I mean, just like every, every aspect of it is just everything. Everything came together perfectly mm-hmm. after everything not coming together at all. Every, after everything falling apart, you know, she was supposed to do in 2017, had twins, it all fell apart, and then it all just came together. Perfectly. Perfectly. Coachella, if you having a good time tonight, make some noise! Give it up for Hova!
Well, listener, what do you think? Did we get this wrong? Are we crazy to not have lemonade? Are are we uh, are, are we going in the face of kind of consensus thinking here? Lemonade, an album that two years after it's released, Rolling Stone is saying this is one of the twenty greatest albums ever made, and we're saying actually, Homecoming is better than that. Are we crazy? Did we get this one right? Let us know what you think. Reach out to us on Instagram at you forgot one on Twitter or X, I guess it is now called at you forgot one pod. Uh, of course, our website is you forgot one.com and Micaiah for everyone listening to the podcast, wherever they hear podcasts, what should they do? Uh, you should like, subscribe, follow, whichever your provider tells you to do. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a five-star review, or you can do one better and you can write a review. Uh, it helps other people find the show and it lets us know what it is that uh, you're enjoying. And so we can continue to to give you what you want. I love it. Listener, we're going to leave you now the way Beyonce leaves this concert with Shining. <laughs>